Welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. We're dispensing stories of success from across the continuum of care. I'm your host, Hillary Blackburn. Thanks for joining us to learn from leaders throughout the pharmacy industry. This podcast is sponsored by TheraWorks Relief. Many of you get sore, achy legs from standing all day or get asked about painful foot and leg cramps. If so, you're going to want to hear about TheraWorks Relief, a clinically proven topical foam that prevents and relieves muscle cramps and soreness. Learn more at theraworksrelief.com. Hello and welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Today we have a special guest with us, Steve Huffines, who is here with me at Dispensary of Hope. We're doing a live recording and I'll go ahead and let Steve introduce himself. Okay. Well, thank you for having me, Hillary, uh, on this beautiful fall day. Um, and uh, I'll give a very brief uh, bio and then we'll discuss some of these things, I'm sure, as we move through. Um, I'm a little bit unusual because I'm a native Nashvillian. Uh, I grew up in Nashville, um, got my schooling here, and uh, for purposes of this, uh, of this discussion, uh, began my career in healthcare or really pharmacy uh, at a very early age uh, as a result of being here. Um, I um, attended uh, Belmont University here, Belmont College, when I went for my pharmacy pre-work uh, and then uh, moved to the University of Tennessee to uh, get my BS and, and PharmD uh, at the University of Tennessee. Uh, I met my wonderful wife there. Uh, she's also a pharmacist, so we've negotiated a two-career uh, household for uh, many years. Uh, and we have two sons and five uh, wonderful uh, grandchildren. Wonderful. Well, uh, Steve, you know, I'd love to hear a little bit more about um, your experience at Vanderbilt. You've um, been able to um, have quite the career there and have been able to do a lot of unique things. I think, um, could you share a little bit with our listeners about how you ended up at Vanderbilt? Yes, I can. And uh, in fact, that started at a very early age. Um, and as with many things in life, uh, certainly at the time, it seemed to have a very random beginning. Uh, at the young age of 16, uh, I was hired uh, at Vanderbilt Hospital uh, in Central Supply, Central Supply and Patient Transport um, and uh, worked there the summer and then stayed on as a part-time employee throughout my high school years. Uh, needless to say, I saw things that a 16-year-old probably shouldn't see. Uh, it even got my attention at 16 years old. Uh, I loved being in the hospital and, and uh, being around healthcare, even at that young age. Uh, in a couple of years, uh, my first mentor, who was a nurse, came to me and said, I think you've learned all you can here. You need to move to the pharmacy. Uh, you might enjoy pharmacy. So thus was my, uh, my beginning in pharmacy. I moved to the pharmacy department at Vanderbilt. Um, uh, when I began college, uh, worked there part-time during college, um, and uh, then proceeded on to UT, as I've already said. Um, and after graduating from pharmacy school, I had a short stint uh, at Baptist Memorial Hospital in Memphis, and after that found my way uh, back to uh, Vanderbilt for 
a very unlikely 40-year uh, career. Uh, when I ended up back at Vanderbilt, uh, to begin with, there were 20 FTEs in the pharmacy. It was a very small place, a different world. Uh, and when I left a couple of years ago uh, after retiring, uh, there were over 500 FTEs in the pharmacy with approximately 200 pharmacists. So I was very lucky, very blessed, lucky with timing, lucky to be at an institution that was very progressive in a city that was growing uh, because healthcare is basically a population business uh, with some demographics thrown in there. Um, but I know mine is kind of a unique uh, situation, being able to have four or five jobs in the course of a career at the same at the same institution. Speaking of education, are you aware of the 2014 drug disposal of controlled substances ruling that regards safe disposal of unused medications? Well, we're lucky to have RX Destroyer sponsoring the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. RX Destroyer ready-to-use chemical drug disposal systems are safe, easy, and affordable products, which protect the environment and can save thousands in fines. To get more information on products, training, and medication waste compliance, check out www.rxdestroyer.com slash talk to your pharmacist. Uh, yeah, maybe just uh, a little additional information probably should give you some idea of kind of the jobs I had uh, at Vanderbilt. And starting out, it was uh, a bit clinical, uh, for clinical in those years. Uh, and I quickly became a project pharmacist because there were so many things uh, that we were involved in planning to move to a new hospital. Uh, and then uh, really uh, began my management career and then I ended my career at Vanderbilt as the Director of Pharmacy Business Services, uh, responsible for revenue cycle, supply chain, um, regulatory affairs, um, and uh, finance and budget. Um, so just to give you an idea of kind of my career uh, at Vanderbilt. I think also in Nashville, we're fortunate um, that Nashville's a great healthcare town, and sometimes that's a bit under the radar. Um, and that really began in the late 60s with the formation of Hospital Corporation of America. And then over the subsequent years, uh, all of the companies that were kind of spun off of that uh, and the related industries uh, have really made healthcare an important piece of the economy in Nashville. And certainly uh, Vanderbilt University Medical Center has played a big role uh, in that as well. Yeah, that well, it's it's so interesting to hear how people get started in their careers. Um, when you know, even I was was thinking about pharmacy, it was um, really a, a chance encounter with uh, the the Ole Miss uh, pharmacy dean of students, Marvin Wilson, who um, I met. Uh, at an Ole Miss Scholars Day, and he encouraged me to go into early entry pharmacy and, instead of going pre-med the whole way, and, and happy that was the path. So it's always interesting to hear um, how, you know, those mentors can make such a big impact. And so, Steve, uh, you've mentioned there's been so much growth at Vanderbilt along the way. Tell us a little bit about some of the changes and, and how you all were able to decide how to go into the different programs or different service lines um, with pharmacy. Well, 
Obviously, um, over the years, we were continuously developing programs to uh, meet the needs of the institution. And I worked for three directors at Vanderbilt during the course of those years. Uh, first, Ralph Stone, who hired me uh, and was the director for a couple of years after I got there. And he really put together kind of the core administrative team uh, that remained together for many years. And then Jim Knight came and was there almost 30 years, and I would say developed uh, really all the foundational programs under his guidance. And then Jim Heyman has been the director uh, for the past 10 years and has absolutely transformed uh, the department during those 10 years. Uh, and it was always critical, I think, through the years. Uh, most programs were developed to, to, to meet an institutional need, uh, growth of the institution, uh, or some focus of the institution. And uh, many times the programs were developed for an internal pharmacy need or a pharmacy program. Um, and these programs were almost always um, focused on the patient. They were patient-centric. Uh, and we always uh, tried to make certain that they were sustainable, uh, both operationally and financially. Um, and the justification really was around those uh, three areas. Uh, early on, it was very difficult in my early career because we were a new team, uh, basically, uh, together. And also in those days, the, the data and information that was available was just uh, very limited. Uh, you would call it non-existent compared to today's world. Uh, so whatever was gathered was gathered uh, manually. Uh, and I think the decisions in those days maybe uh, were based on limited data and kind of a gut feel and, and a gut uh, reaction uh, to the environment. Um, so uh, it was really interesting watching kind of the different programs through the years and um, uh, the way they're justified and, and rolled out. That's fascinating. So what could you, what were some of, I guess, the bigger ones uh, that you saw along the way or, or something that were, were really innovative, uh, I guess, in terms of, of pharmacy practice advancement? Well, I'll go through a few here um, and, and try to be brief. And the first one, uh, I'm going to show my age because I come from the era of pen and paper. Uh, and one of the first big projects was to automate the pharmacy department. Um, at that time, we were really way behind because many other pharmacies had already automated uh, and we had not made that progress yet. So I think that project early on was absolutely critical and kind of formed the backbone of future growth in the department for many, many years to come. Uh, I remember that was one of my first big projects uh, and I was absolutely petrified when we uh, presented that to the CEO. Uh, he was a new CEO and looking back, uh, I mean, it had to be approved uh, obviously, we could have, have really fouled it up in the timing or the selection, uh, but uh, this really served to, to kind of really spear us ahead. And I think building on that um, computer theme a bit, many, many years later, uh, we had developed a really good informatics team in the pharmacy uh, based on very bright people who basically were self-taught, uh, and absolutely would not take no. I mean, they always found a solution uh, with our automation and our informatics. So we uh, decided to build an interface between the hospital information system and the pharmacy system. 
In those days, you did not have the large integrated systems like you have today. Um, so this was really, uh, I think, uh, very progressive. Uh, we de 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 developed the provider or physician order entry that would be passed to the pharmacy system um, with a, a number of checks and balances along the way. And this really kind of revolutionized our practice uh, from a clinical standpoint, certainly from a safety standpoint, uh, and also for an from an efficiency standpoint. And the, the department received a, an ASHP Best Practice Award uh, in the early 2000s for that. So wow. um, that was a, a very interesting project, uh, very complex at the time, uh, and the technology obviously uh, was not what it is today. Hmm. That is fascinating. Um, and I love how you, you kind of started with, with the need for data and, and how much uh, had grown and, and, and progressed very organically um, with the team. Okay, a couple of other uh, projects that were uh, just very important uh, during my tenure. Uh, one occurred in just the last few years um, and was basically the justification and build out of an offsite facility uh, to su support the growing uh, business that we had in retail and specialty uh, and provide uh, space for various uh, business operations and supply chain. Um, this was a request for a 30,000 square foot facility, uh, which was thought by some uh, to, to be absolutely crazy. Uh, but we were uh, exploding in our retail and specialty business and absolutely had to have additional space quickly. Uh, and there was no space uh, within the complex uh, really to grow. Um, so this um, project and the justification was really interesting. Um, and Jim Heyman was absolutely instrumental in, in, in getting this done. Uh, Jim is um, an expert in providing, um, providing a proposal uh, and uh, being able to communicate a proposal and uh, the uh, advantages of that proposal. So um, we, we uh, embarked on getting this approved and um, it was really interesting uh, because Jim had worked closely with the CEO uh, and really had such a good track record in delivering and executing. Uh, and I can't overemphasize that, that the CEO basically approved and signed for the lease of this facility before the proposal was even completed. Uh, so it's really unusual. And only a month or so later uh, did we find out, uh, look, you guys have to develop a formal proposal really quickly because this has to go to the Board of Trust. So I think it just shows uh, the different ways some of these things come about, that timing is important. And uh, one thing, I, I think I mentioned this earlier, but in developing programs, um, the the proposal and the method of presenting it is very, very important in the first one and the second one. But after that, what is so important is that you've delivered on those two and you've executed and you've built a reputation during that period of time. Otherwise, the third one, it probably doesn't matter what it looks like uh, if you've not executed on those previous ones. And Jim uh, always made certain uh, that we executed uh, as we had committed uh, in any type of proposal. So I think that's uh, so important. Uh, needless to say, this was successful. And today this facility is uh, 60,000 square feet. 
wow. uh, double from the 30,000. Um, and lastly, I might mention one other project that occurred uh, at the end of my tenure uh, and was certainly something that we didn't go looking for. Uh, and that was the separation of the university and the medical center into two different entities. Uh, the university made a decision that this was advantageous in the way they wanted to go. And when I first heard this, uh, I thought, well, what's the big deal? Uh, we can do this. Uh, but as we got into it, it was extremely complex. Um, every pharmacy license, and we had 16, I think, at the time, had to be redone. Every DEA license had to be redone. Every contract had to be opened and redone. Uh, every PBM contract had to be opened and redone. Uh, so this became just a very, very extensive project. And the timing of all of this was also had to be coordinated and was very important. And uh, it's an example of something that we got a group of people together, uh, collaborated very well, had expertise obviously from our legal office, outside counsel, our Department of Finance, uh, et cetera, to really pull this off. And uh, I think the, the, the real benefit of this uh, is a lot of people learned a whole lot of things. We also cleaned up our licensure during this process. We cleaned up our contracts, uh, many of which had been in place for a number of years. Uh, and we also gained um, a resource in the pharmacy through this process. We were able to hire an attorney. Um, hmm. that resides in the pharmacy now and works with our legal office very closely uh, at Vanderbilt. Um, so a very interesting project that I wouldn't wish on anyone, uh, but it turned out to be very, uh, very important. So speaking of team, um, you mentioned that uh, you, you all were able to, to have some of your core teams uh, really stay there. You had some obviously really great working relationships, but maybe you could tell us a little bit about how to really grow and develop your pharmacy team. Well, um, I, I think that was really the really one of the fun things um, that I got to experience at Vanderbilt uh, was kind of building a team. Uh, and again, uh, we were blessed to be in a position where we could grow a team and grow it significantly. And I realize not every uh, situation is like that. Um, but I think first and most importantly, um, you have to make sure you have the right people on the bus. Mm -hmm. uh, you've got to make sure you're recruiting the right people. Um, and I, I think sometimes institutions do not spend as much time on that as should be spent. Uh, I was always very cautious or, or attempted to be very cautious in the people that we were bringing on board um, and making certain uh, that not only they were the right people and good people, but that it was a good match for the institution. Because if it's not a mutually beneficial match, uh, one of the parties is going to be disappointed. Mm -hmm. um, so that was always very important as well. And I must mention as, as well that during much of my career, uh, unlike today, there was a pharmacist shortage. And mm -hmm. recruiting uh, was much more difficult. Uh, and you had to spend more time on recruiting probably than you do today. So uh, that's one thing that was different uh, through much of my career. 
mm-hmm. um, as opposed to kind of the supply and demand situation that you find today. Hmm. That is interesting. I love the the um, mention of getting the right people on the bus. Um, that takes me back to the good to great right. book, right? <laughs> which is which is such yeah, it's a, a great. It's a good analogy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Steve, you um, obviously moved into leadership positions um, within the, the pharmacy uh, department. Um, Obviously, you um, are, have just been such a great role model for your team. How, how, is, uh, how were you a role model, or, or how would you recommend um, for others who, like, how to, how to be a good role model for your team? Well, that's, that's a good question, um, and I think um, something that one always has to be working on um, and I always thought, uh, first of all, it, it, it most important that you lead by example. Um, you need to lead with your work ethic, uh, your follow through, uh, your communication, and probably most important, uh, your concern for those uh, that you're serving. Um, and also knowing that you as a leader are human and you're gonna make mistakes. Um, and have failures and make sure you own up to those and are, are um, uh, candid about uh, those situations. And I certainly think uh, also you have to be authentic and be yourself mm-hmm. uh, over a long period of time. Um, and always patient, placing the patient at the center of the decision, if it's appropriate, uh, is very important and that will not fail you uh, in trying to lead a team. Um, communication that's consistent and realistic uh, is very important um, and clearly clearly defining the expectations um, and uh, kind of the vision uh, is very important um, as you lead your team. Uh, and I think, again, being candid and realistic, uh, that engenders uh, trust over time. Um, and I think finally, you have to be grateful for the opportunity uh, to serve others. Um, and um, you need to let people know that. Uh, I think the best start for that is simply a thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't have to be anything elaborate. Uh, but thank people often. Uh, the other thing I realized during my career is, is people like to be recognized in different ways. Uh, some people like to be recognized uh, publicly, uh, and, and sometimes that's appropriate to recognize anybody that way uh, for what they've done, but other people would much rather be recognized um, very privately, mm-hmm. and I think kind of understanding that and respecting people's um, desires uh, mm-hmm. is important, um, and uh, but bottom line is is one needs to be grateful and make sure that appreciation is so, is shown uh, to those folks folks that you're uh, serving, um, and uh, I, I think always focus on your most important asset, uh, which are the people. People, and mm-hmm. you really recognize as you get into a more and more complex organization that there's absolutely no way you can be successful without those people uh, that can carry out the mission and function on their own 
work on their own. Mm-hmm. Uh, and really, you're just as successful as your next interaction or your next transaction. Mm-hmm. So as you become more and more complex, uh, those people um, that are in leadership roles and helping you uh, mm-hmm. reach your goals uh, are it's absolutely essential. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, but I, I think the most important thing is is leading by example. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think if you're not a good good example, um, you can lead people, but it makes it more difficult, mm-hmm. and is certainly not uh, preferred. Yeah, I I love that leading by example, and and you offered some great suggestions on how to make people feel valued. Mm-hmm. I think that is is so important um, in the, the workplace today. And just like there are different love languages, um, there's different ways for that people like to receive recognition. And so getting to know um, your colleagues and, and um, who you're working with. And uh, even here at Dispensary of Hope, we have an employee recognition kind of card. Mm-hmm. And so literally you can fill it out um, and give it to your manager. That way they know. Yes. <laughs> it's yes. very clear. Yes. And, and I think that's a good point. I think notes are very important. Mm-hmm. Um, and are kind of a, a, a core way to recognize people. Uh, mm-hmm. And Vanderbilt really emphasized that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would like to say uh, I was a perfect example of that, but I was not. But certainly for major milestones, I would try to document in writing mm-hmm. uh, appreciation for someone mm-hmm. uh, who had accomplished something. I love that. So let's, let's jump back a little bit into um, the hiring. So you mm-hmm. were a hiring manager for, or, or responsible for doing hiring mm-hmm. um, for uh, a lot of your career. And now that um, there are so many pharmacists mm-hmm. um, out there, it is very competitive. And it might be helpful just to share some of the things that, that you were looking for mm-hmm. in a good candidate. Okay. Um, well, it is, it is different now. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly, the environment is different, but I don't think what you're looking for uh, has changed, and it has not appreciably changed over the years. Um, I was always a believer in you're looking for, first and for, foremost, a good person. Mm-hmm. Uh, you absolutely have to have a person of integrity and someone who's willing and can work with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so. That was the first thing I look for. Obviously, they, the person has to be competent mm-hmm. uh, clinically and in the profession of pharmacy. And right. you would hope that the educational system uh, has done that mm-hmm. uh, with eight years of schooling and probably a residency. Right. Uh, but certainly, you have to evaluate that and make sure that person is, is what you need for the specific job. Mm-hmm. Um, but beyond that, I always thought experience in pharmacy was important. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the more um, areas of pharmacy that you've been exposed to mm-hmm. are critically important. And I would recommend students, particularly now that it's uh, so competitive, the sooner you can get in the arena of pharmacy, mm-hmm. uh, however that is, uh, whether it's as an intern, as a technician, as a volunteer, mm-hmm. um, 
that that's important as you move through your training uh, and your schooling. It also gives you a perspective uh, that's really important and I think helps you uh, in the didactic part of, of your education. Uh, so I think that's really important. Uh, obviously, uh, postgraduate training, uh, a residency, um, is very important now, and particularly a complex academic medical center mm -hmm. uh, or some type of equivalent experience. So um, all of those things uh, are important, and I, I think, um, again, that, that's one of the most important things I did. Mm -hmm. uh, and I did that a number of years, mm -hmm. uh, was, was hiring pharmacists. Mm -hmm. And uh, yes, I did make some mistakes. Uh, and that's really a failure of the organization and you personally, uh, and it impacts another person. So you want to really try to minimize uh, those mistakes. And uh, I, I think you do that by doing your homework and um, really doing some research uh, on on who you're evaluating. Yeah, wow, that, that's really great advice. Um, so Steve, as our final question, what is some advice that you would share with your younger self or for pharmacists who are just getting started in their career? Okay, well, it's hard to remember my younger self at this point. <laughs> uh, so uh, I'll, I'll do a stretch and, and, and try, to, try to think back. Um, but certainly the first thing uh, I would say to my younger self and to those who are beginning uh, the profession um, is really take care of yourself. Um, you're really running a marathon. Uh, this is not a sprint. Uh, you hope to be in the profession for many years. Um, and I think um, it's very important that you take care of yourself first. It's hard to take care of other people mm -hmm. if you don't take care of yourself. And really, that's the gamut. I mean, it's, it's physical, uh, mental, emotional, uh, and spiritual. And keeping those things in balance is always a challenge. It's still a challenge for me today. Mm -hmm. uh, so you're constantly working on that. And I think keeping uh, fences around the professional side or your work life and your family and your personal side um, is very, very important. And I see that as being more difficult today than it used to be. Um, your generation may handle that mm -hmm. better than I do, but it's, it's hard to turn some of this off. Mm -hmm. And the ex expectations now and the turnaround times uh, uh, for, for virtually everything are so much different, um, particularly than when I was in my mid-career. Mid uh, I think it's very important for folks to disengage and be able to have their own time. Um, and I think that's uh, more and more difficult now. Um, so to sustain, really to have sustainability, you've got to keep these balances in your life and realize they're gonna, that things are gonna get out of balance from time to time. Mm -hmm. And you've got to try to bring back into balance the different uh, portions of your life uh, and realize that it will always be something that you have to have to work on. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think that's very important. Um, and I think also, um, and I love the old book, uh, Leaders uh, by Warren Bennis, uh, and I still remember this, and it's a very old book, but 
uh, he made the point that first you have to manage yourself. Mm -hmm. um, you've got to manage yourself certainly before you should be managing other people. Uh, really, and that means developing the proper self-discipline. And uh, most of us know what to do or probably what we should do, but it's developing the habits and the discipline to be able to execute what you know you need to do that I think uh, is, is very important. And I think that means doing the very best job you can today where you're at. Mm -hmm. um, and I had frequently had people throughout my career that would ask me how they get to another position or how they might mm -hmm. be promoted. Mm -hmm. uh, and they might not even report to me. Mm -hmm. uh, and my first response was always, make sure you're excelling today and make sure when you're evaluated for that opportunity that whoever is managing you can, can say that you have done a great job where you're at. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's very important. And we've talked a little bit about mentors. Um, mm -hmm. I think one should not underestimate the value of mentors throughout your career. Uh, I think it's very important. Um, I think folks should know also, uh, particularly if they're uh, just getting into the profession, that folks are more than happy to serve as a mentor in almost all cases and to help you. So don't be hesitant to seek those people out. And I always used really kind of three types of mentors. Uh, one would be the traditional mentor or coach, uh, where you kind of have a formal relationship. Uh, maybe you have a periodic meeting uh, to seek feedback from that person. Uh, and that's certainly extremely valuable. Uh, and I use that throughout the course of my career. Um, I, I think the second time of mentor uh, that was always important to me, and that's kind of the mentor from afar. It's someone in the organization or someone in your private life, possibly your church, uh, that, you, that you know and their reputation is an outstanding reputation in the organization. And they carry themselves in a way that you would like to carry yourself. Uh, they communicate very effectively. Um, and I think watching those people from afar and being uh, very uh, sensitive to watching those types of people was always very helpful to me. Mm -hmm. uh, and they probably, many of them didn't even know me. Mm -hmm. uh, but mm -hmm. that was something that I always uh, thought was important. And then I think your colleagues as a mentor, uh, particularly in a large organization where you have people with specific areas of expertise. Mm -hmm. uh, there are always, always those people that have a strength that maybe you might not quite be there yet, uh, that you can watch them and watch their actions and also talk with them and, and share, uh, I think is very important because having that asset or, or kind of blessing around you of a number of bright people mm -hmm. uh, in a working group uh, I think is, is, is really important to use those people uh, and use their strengths and weaknesses. So mentors were always uh, very important to me. Um, if you want me to, to go on, I can uh, name a few others. I think be open-minded mm -hmm. and leave your, leave your options open as long as possible. If you had told me early in my career that I would have finished my career 
in kind of the business of pharmacy, mm-hmm. uh, I would have told you you were, you were crazy. I, mm-hmm. I absolutely did not enjoy that part of pharmacy. Right. Uh, but then I found myself uh, migrating that way and, and in the end, uh, absolutely loved the so-called business of pharmacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think be open-minded. Um, and you have to be a continuous learner, otherwise you're obsolete in, I don't know, five years, ten years, I don't know what that is. Um, you know, but my expertise in drug therapy was digoxin and theophylline. And um, so that's long since gone away. Mm-hmm. So uh, one has to be continuously uh, investing in yourself. And I think the other important thing, uh, obviously the clinical part of that is probably more natural and it's almost forced upon you because you have to deal with it every day, but is really developing the softer skills, uh, making sure you're developing the the EI or the EQ, mm-hmm. make sure you're developing your communication skills, uh, your teamwork skills, all of those things over time uh, very likely would differentiate you uh, from some others. So I think that's important. And then finally, and, and I, I did this toward the end of my career, um, I think it's really important occasionally to be able to step back from where you are and, and really kind of observe the miracles before you. Uh, and, you know, we're in, we're in a business to help people and serve people and uh, enhance their quality of life. Uh, and um, I think it's important to be able to step back and see some of the, the therapies and some of the treatments that you're, you're using on a daily basis that have absolutely saved people's life mm-hmm. or changed people's life. And uh, sometimes that's hard to do because you're too close to the action. Uh, sometimes that's hard to do because it's so insidious. You, you don't even realize what's happening. Um, and um, I just think that's very important. Uh, I didn't do that enough uh, in my career. Uh, I'm not sure we do that enough as a profession mm-hmm. uh, in celebrating those things that absolutely uh, have changed people's lives. Yeah. So. Wow. I, I think that's important. Yes. I, so many great um, takeaways there, taking care of yourself and mentors, um, being open-minded and, and being a lifelong learner. Um, and then I, I think the reflection part is something that is often, uh, not something that I do often. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm always kind of trying to achieve the next thing. Exactly. Yes. And I think that's the way we're trained. Yes. Uh, and that's one reason throughout the course of my career, I think I was really terrible at celebrating, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because I was off to the next project, mm-hmm. the next conquest. And um, uh, I think I, I could have done much better at that, uh, certainly uh, mm-hmm. in my career. Yes. Yeah. Well, Steve, it's been a pleasure to have you as a guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Thank you very much for having me. I enjoyed it. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to check out the show notes at www.pharmacyadvisory.com and check out our newest podcast, the Natural Products Resource Center. 
Also available on Apple, iTunes, and all other platforms. You're going to learn about natural products, 